Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. We right now are in a teaching series, a little journey, and it's kind of like a, an add-on to the series we did back in June on the Holy Spirit. And what we've been talking about this month is the idea of living, learning to live in step with the Spirit. We really do feel like there's an open invitation from the Lord drawing us deeper. You can get that sense. I hope you're sensing that as an individual in this season. I've talked to so many of you that have felt that pull that God is calling you deeper. And we sense that as a corporate church. Even our services feel like the Spirit is just, He's, he's a little more tangibly felt, I find. And we're learning how to flow with him. And that's really what we're trying to do right now is to endeavor to learn how to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. We believe that God isn't just God of the universe, but he's Lord of heaven and earth. And he's actually here in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we're trying to learn how to interact with him. And we're taking this instruction from Paul found in the book of Galatians where it says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus, that's us. Can I get an amen? You belong to Jesus this morning? This evening, Charlottetown, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We've denied the flesh. And so we live by the Spirit. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And so today I want to talk about keeping in step with the Spirit around the idea of finding the Spirit in the places He'll be. Of actually choosing to go to places where you know will be a place of encounter. Keeping in step with the Spirit, here's the central idea, it requires finding Him where you know He'll be found. Does anybody remember, anybody married here today? Maybe it's been a long time or maybe you're, it's fresh for some of you. I was just at a wedding yesterday. Do you remember when you first started trying to get together dating? Melanie and I, we, we spent the weekend on Graham and Ann at uh, her cousin's wedding. And we were obviously just, we were, we were kid-free, thanks mom. And we just spent time just being a couple. And it's amazing when you have young kids, you know, you're, you're like, you're, you're partners just trying to do life together. And then you need those date nights and those times together to remind, oh yeah, I really do like you and I find you super attractive. Those are really important times, aren't they? Anybody? Especially parents that are like in the middle of it. You're not empty, empty desters. And so we're out just enjoying one another, reminiscing and being reminded of like the early times. And I remembered the times before we were actually officially dating, all the excuses and, and reasons I would find up to show, find to show up in places I knew she'd be. Anybody remember that? Like that time, like I remember like all of a sudden I was very consistent volunteering at youth group because she was volunteering at youth group. It's like, yes, I'm just a faithful servant of the Lord here, just doing my job. You know, going to church every single week because she went to that church, staying for second service as well, right? Just want to go deeper today. Right? No, you're, just, you're, you're just showing up. You're putting yourself in proximity. I remember like uh, my, my, my brother-in-law, her brother had a group of friends and they were all watching the World Juniors that, that Christmas when we really started kind of noticing each other. And I, I don't even like baseball. And I showed up, it was a joke, it's, it's hockey. And I showed up to watch all of a sudden this big hockey fan. Yes, let's go get him, boys watching these hockey games because I was really just watching her. It's, you remember those times? It's, it's, does anybody remember this movie? It's, it's Squints, Michael Squints, Polidorus from The Sandlot. Does anybody, has anybody seen this movie? You remember this? Where he concocts the grand plan to fake his own death by laying at the bottom of the pool so the lifeguard, Wendy Peppercorn, would dive in and scoop him up and lay him on the side and proceed to give him mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. This is the look <laughs> after his plan was completed. We will go to great lengths to go to where the person we want to connect with is, won't we? Some of you, I don't know, maybe back in the, the 90s, your, your crush worked at Blockbuster and you just all of a sudden, kids, you don't even know what Blockbuster is. 
You all of a sudden rented all the movies every weekend. It's, it's the drive through person that works at Dairy Queen and you're getting Sundays and every treat you can going around and around trying to get in that proximity. It's not even necessarily a romantic relationship. We know that it's wisdom. If you want to connect with someone, get to where they're gonna be, correct? Like a job, maybe some of you want a promotion and you have learned, I need to get in front of the manager. I need to be in proximity with my supervisor. I need them to see you. I need to connect with them. Maybe it was a celebrity. Maybe you knew that a certain person that you watch and follow is gonna be in the same town as you and you just happened to try to be where they were going to be. We all know the value of a surefire place of encounter, don't we? That if we put ourselves in a place where someone will certainly be found, that gives us the best chance of connection. I bring this up because it's going to help us today in covering what I want to, what I feel like the Spirit is trying to invite us to. Here's the big idea. There are divinely appointed places of connection and intimacy with the Holy Spirit where we can find Him. There are, it's not rocket science. There are places where he will always be. That if you put yourself in that place, you will find him there. The best way to keep in step with the Holy Spirit is to encounter him in the places you know he will be. This is what I want to talk to us about today. That, that keeping in step, living in step with the Holy Spirit isn't complicated. It's about learning to and being willing to find yourself and find him in places you know he will be. The word tells us, seek me and you will find me. He he makes this promise in Proverbs. I love this. He says, I love all who love me and those who search will surely find me. What an invitation for some of you that you're looking for him. Those who search will surely find me. Now today, we're not going to take a long time. We're not going to go. No, I don't think anyone's going to be weeping by the time we leave. That already happened. But I do have some stuff for us today where I'm going to give us three places where we will surely find the Holy Spirit. So that you can start ordering your life. If you want to know the Spirit and you want to remain in Him and abide in Him and bear much fruit and live the life He promised us, these three places will be critical for you. Three areas where you will surely find him. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2 and look at our first one. Are you with me? West, Halifax, Charlottetown. All right, so first place. I want to highlight this and and then I'll spell it out for us. It says in verse 1 of Acts chapter 1, or Acts chapter 2, sorry. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. All of the believers were meeting together in one place. The first encounter recorded in the book of Acts, the first recorded encounter where the Holy Spirit landed upon the church of Jesus Christ was when they were gathered together in one place. It began in the gathering, in the collection. Jesus commands them, remember in Acts 1, he commands them, go in Jerusalem and wait. Don't even try this following me thing until you receive the gift my my father promised. Then it tells us on the day of Pentecost, All the believers were meeting together in one place. They, the church, encountered him as the church, at church, together. Now, some of you are like, this sounds like too simple. It's very simple. Here's the first first place. You will surely encounter the Holy Spirit. You will surely find the Holy Spirit in the church. Simple but true. You will find the Holy Spirit in the church. Now, what do I mean by the church? Now, I know Pastor Dan here at the Valley, you've probably heard it at all of our locations today, or at least felt this value. We don't believe that the church is bricks and mortar, do we? No, it's not drywall. It's not metal and iron. It, the, the church is what? Yeah, the church is the people of God redeemed by Jesus Christ on the mission of God. We are the church. The church is not a place. The church is people. I drive my kids crazy by correcting their grammar, saying, you know, we're going to the church. Like, you can't go to the church. You are the church, son. I keep getting into that, into the weeds with them. So I'm referring to the fact that the Holy Spirit, that an encounter with the Holy Spirit is found in the people of God. That when we come together together, 
in his name, whenever and wherever we, the people of God, come together in his name, that becomes a place of encounter with the Holy Spirit. He will show up there. Now you need to realize something. The church are people. The church, the church is not a place. The church is people. However, it says in the book of Acts, right from the beginning, that the people are a people who what? Gather. In fact, the Greek word church is the word ekklesia. It really means like the assembly, the coming together. You aren't just the church because you have been redeemed by Jesus and you have been redeemed by Jesus and I have been redeemed by Jesus. That, that does draw us together and gives us commonality. But the church are the church in the assembly, in the alignment, in the coming together. You can't be a Christian and a Christ follower apart from the gathering, the church of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit of the living God has birthed the church in assembly. It's really important. That's why in Hebrews 10, it says, do not neglect gathering together as some of you are in the habit of doing. Think about this. Right back in the early church, we had C and E Christians. What's a C and E Christian? Christmas and Easter only. We had them back then. And, and the writer of Hebrews is like, that's not Christianity, y'all. That's like you have you and your own personal little faith, but being a Christian is in the collection. It's in the gathering. The Holy Spirit of the living God dwells in the midst of his people, in the gathering, wherever and whenever the church comes together. And it becomes evident, doesn't it? I mean, you can sense it. I'm, I'm sure you can sense it at West and in Halifax and Charlottetown. So there's something different that happens when more than two people come together, isn't there? Now, there's value for your personal walk, and there's value for the one-on-one, -on -one, but something special, supernatural, and transcendent happens when the people of God assemble. You can sense the weight of his presence. You can feel it. There are, I've seen it in this very room that I'm preaching in here at the Valley. I've encountered people who were hostile or at least agnostic to the faith, and someone drugged them to church, and they wouldn't concede that there was anything going on here, and yet they were fighting tears. Why? Because the presence of God is active. Like right now in this room, in the West, in Halifax, the presence of the Holy Spirit is active. He is moving in our midst right now. That should make you excited and nervous all at the same time. Like nervous sight, a good, good like anticipation. The Spirit of God is in the assembly. Look, look at what the Scripture tells us. It tells us in 1 Peter that the Spirit moves in and around God's people. First Peter says, you like living stones are being built together into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. The dwelling place of the living God is in our collective community. That's an incredible thought, isn't it? I was thinking about it like this, that connection together and community together is like, we're, it's like spiritual conduction. How many of you know with electricity? I mean, I'm no, I'm no scientist. I'm not a physicist. I don't totally know this stuff, but correct me if I'm wrong if you're an electrician. But in order for electricity to move, there has to be contact. There needs to be connection. There needs to be that, that point of conduction. And this is the same with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has designed us to experience him in connection with one another. And so you can be sure you're experiencing the Holy Spirit when you start to come in contact with other believers. He designed it to function that way. How many of you have you've, you've experienced that? That you came into a gathering and that you felt alone in the universe and then you came in and not only did you see somebody else who was there for you and there with you in body, but somehow in some mysterious way, the presence of God showed up and all of a sudden you were brought into this place of refreshment. C.S. Lewis once talked about in his book called A Grief, a Grief Observed, he was talking about how that we actually are designed to experience one another through each other. That, that I actually experienced Pastor Dan through Pastor Anthony. That, that there's a part of Dan's Danness that I can only experience through Anthony. Does that make sense? Like, no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> well, he was talking about how one of his friends had passed away and that he was never going to be able to hear his other friend laugh to that friend who passed away's joke the same way. That, that that friend that died was able to elicit a response through the friend that still remained that only he could. Is that, and that's how God has designed his body to work. 
that there are things that we experience together only through the connection of how these living stones rub up against one another. And so don't short sell the gathering of the ecclesia. Don't, don't short sell the gathering. When we come together, we start to find the Spirit of God in our midst. And I've heard this testimony over and over again, kind of coming out of the pandemic. We still have people coming back to the physical gathering, and I hear it every time. And I mean, we're grateful for online ministry. It certainly helps people connect that can't get out. But I've heard so many of you say to me, Oh, I forgot how good it felt to be the people of God in, together in one place, in one accord. I've heard this over and over. Quote, online is good and watching your sermon later in the week is good, but it's not the same thing as gathering together. It is not. It is just not. So the Spirit is present when we come together. Jesus told us, where, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. When we're gathered in one place and are focused on his presence, he just shows up. And, and I want to just touch on something here too. That God has actually given his people the authority to make a place sacred. Did you know that? That, that when we come together, if you gather together in his name and we focus on him and we, we seek him and praise him and pray to him and the proclamation of the word happens, the Holy Spirit shows up and a place that was otherwise just neutral or maybe even hostile to the kingdom becomes kingdom ground. We've seen that. I mean, we used to, we've rented a lot of movie theaters in the past for our locations. We've seen it, that a place that Eight hours earlier, it was showing Lord knows what on that screen. And all of a sudden, when the people of God gather together and start lifting their voice in praise, the Spirit shows up and it becomes holy ground. That happens. It absolutely happens. You know what I've noticed too? If the people of God gather together consistently or there are meaningful kingdom things that happen on a place that that place becomes a space where, where it's almost like the door is left open for the Holy Spirit to frequent. Like I, I will say this about the building that I'm in right now. We have worshiped on these grounds here for 40 years. I, I can assure you, if you walk into our building on a Wednesday afternoon and there's no one here, there is someone here. The Holy Spirit just seems to, the, the walls are dripping with his presence. I remember talking uh, just a few weeks ago to someone that had just come for the first time. And she said, when I walked into this place, I didn't see anybody, but I could just sense that this was a place the Spirit has been welcomed. Becomes a holy place. The, the, Celt, the Celts called it thin places. Places where heaven and earth just seem to almost touch. We can actually create those places. Did you know that? I'm, I'm trying to do that with my home. I want my home to be a thin place. I want to so frequently welcome the Holy Spirit there that when company comes or someone walks in, they sense the peace that rests in that place. We want that to be true of this building that we're in or the building that we lease in Halifax or on the west side or even when we, 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 wherever we go with our, with our locations that don't have a fixed place yet, wherever we go, we bring the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I was really moved back in the spring when I was in England. My wife and I visited Oxford and we were on a tour and we were taken to this place in the middle of the street where they have this brick cross. And we were told that this was the place where Hugh Latimer and Thomas Ridley were burned at the stake for their faith. And the, the famous quote, some of you might have heard it before, where, where Latimer says, Be of good cheer, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle in England as I trust by God's grace will never be put out. And he went and was burned at the stake that very day. But when Melanie and I stood there and just thought about what our Christian brothers did in this place, I was immediately taken into connection with the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to get all mystical on you. The Holy Spirit is portable, amen? But there is something to be said about a place where, that, that is, is now sacred. And I think maybe we've lost that a little bit in our culture. Sacred spaces, that might be another message for another day. But I want you to get this. If you want to find the Holy Spirit, go to church. It's like, thank you, Captain Obvious. It's not obvious though, is it? Because sometimes we just get a little sluggish with, I don't have to go to church. 
I can catch it online and keep up with the word. And I'm glad that you do. We have, we have tons of people that follow along line and follow us online. I'm glad for that. And we have an online community that streams at the same time every single Sunday and connect with each other. They do Ecclesia. But you just kind of paying loose attention to what's going on at the church and showing up three or four times a year, you are missing the power and presence of God that happens only in the assembly of God's people. We need it. Go to church. If you aren't gathering regularly, I suggest you are short-selling the power of the ecclesia. This is why, like, when we're going to be launching in St. Stephen this fall. And, like, you know, 65% of the sermons that are going to go in there is going to be me via video. And there's going to be people that have never done video teaching. And they don't understand that the power of the church isn't that the preacher is there in body. The power of the church is that the people of God have gathered under the word of God and experienced it together. Amen? Amen. That, that's why this video teaching works. It's because it's the word of God and it's landing right now in real time at the west side in Halifax, in Charlottetown. And you guys are experiencing God together. That's church. You can flip on YouTube and watch any preacher anywhere. That's not your church. Your church, or look around you. This is the church. These are your people. This is why we have to have and facilitate this connection. Number two, okay, so you got the point, go to church <laughs> regularly. <laughs> like things you shouldn't have to say. <laughs> number two, point of reception number two. You will surely find the Holy Spirit, not just in the gathering, but in the gifts. In the gifts. You will surely find and experience the Holy Spirit in the gifts that he gives you. Here's what you need to know. And some of you, you, you're well aware of this. Some of you, this is new territory for you. And we talked about, a little bit about it last week with the gift of tongues and prophecy. Well, let's expand that. God has designed us uniquely and intentionally with different gifts and abilities. And these gifts are designed to bring fulfillment to us and empowerment to the body. And I'll talk about mission in a second. But specifically, as it relates to you and the church, God has given you a gift. And when you operate in that gift or those gifts, you actually bring strength and empowerment to the body. And you yourself are fulfilled. Like, like nothing else can fulfill you. When you operate in the gifts the Holy Spirit has given you, there is a resonance and a yes and a satisfaction of the soul that nothing in this world can compete with. I, I promise you. How many of you experienced it before? Like you knew you were being used by the Holy Spirit in a given moment. You ever experienced that? There really is nothing like it. It's the most life-giving. It's like you just plugged in to just a 10,000-watt supercharger of electricity and excitement and passion and purpose all at once. It's the best. We have been given gifts. So in our church, our church family, you've been designed by God, like when God knit you together in, in your mother's womb, you were given natural gifts. Some of you can sing. It's a gift. Some of you can't sing. It's not a gift. It's amazing how many people in churches have a gift of singing. No, you don't. You don't. I'll tell you what, though. I know that God loves the bad singer that doesn't give a rip. I'll tell you that. He just doesn't want you to have a microphone on the platform, but you let her rip in the congregation. But God has given us natural gifts. And I'll tell you what, I could nerd out on this for the whole afternoon. But in, our church, in the church of Jesus Christ, like just King's Church alone, I marvel at the collective natural giftedness. I mean, we have artists, we have bankers, we have grocers, we have doctors and lawyers and teachers and educators, homemakers. We have carpenters, mechanics. It's actually, I don't think we have a mechanic. We need a good mechanic. If there's a mechanic out there, let me know. No, I actually got a guy that I really trust. But anyway, we have all of the, the gifts are represented. I am confident that if like we are in this kind of post-apocalyptic moment and society just crumbles, like, dude, what are you thinking about? If we find ourselves in one of these zombie apocalypse moments, the church is going to be just fine. Truly, we have the collective giftedness to have a functioning and flourishing society. Maybe that was God's idea. But God has given us these natural gifts at birth. Now, he also gives us spiritual gifts at rebirth. 
at second birth, when you are born of the Spirit, God gives the whole church gifts. And some of you might be one of those people like, like I grew up with a friend, one of my neighbors, one of my best friends. He always would like whine because some, he had a bunch of our friends. We all were good at something except him. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not good at anything. Not in the kingdom. Not in the kingdom. Every single person has a gift, has something to contribute to other people. You have a use and a need. And I'll just say this. If you're part of King's Church, you are needed. We don't just want you to come to church because it's good for you. We want you to come to church because it's good for us. We actually need each other. And God has gifted us the gifts of the Spirit. It says in Acts 2, what, did it, what happened? The Holy Spirit fell upon them. And then what was the first thing that happened? He enabled them to communicate in other languages. He gifted them to interact differently in a way they couldn't previously. And this is what the Spirit does. The gifts of the Spirit are the way that God's power and presence move through the body. If, uh, let's go with the electricity analogy. Your gifts are like conductors of the Holy Spirit. And that's how the power and presence of God flows through the church, designed to flow through our giftedness. And here's the awesome thing. We all have different gifts, and they're all valuable, and they're all awesome. Look what Paul says. Uh, we, Paul talks extensively about the gifts. I don't have time to go too deep into it. Uh, I have a sermon. We'll post it uh, online this week that I did four or five years ago. It's a little more in-depth on the gifts. And we have a gifts seminar we're going to launch. And we have a gifts test I'll show you how to do later. But... Paul says this on the gifts, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. That's who we are. And we all belong to each other. That's strong language. Don't rip me off by not showing up. Amen? We belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Does it say we are good at everything? No, certain things will. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. He's saying God has given us all gifts and we are responsible and invited to use them on and for each other. What a beautiful invitation that is. To actually belong somewhere and be needed. To be useful. What are the different types of gifts? Here's a list. You can find these in these different passages. Romans 12, uh, God gives some the gift of prophecy. Actually, all of these things are things that we need to desire. And the Holy Spirit can gift you any of these things at any time. However, he also predisposes us to being stronger or more gifted in certain areas. Now, no, not, not any one of us has all the gifts. Well, there's one person that has all the gifts. His name is Jesus. The rest of us form his body together in its different parts. And so some have the gift of prophecy. Some have the gift of serving, teaching, exhortation, or encouragement. That's a gift. Did you know that's a spiritual gift? Some of you that just can't help but lift other people up. It's a gift God gave to the body. The gift of giving. God gave some of you the gift of earning. And he gave you the gift of giving. How many know God doesn't just give you the ability to earn income so you can sit and hoard on your, you know, create bigger barns. He gave it to be a blessing to the body and to the mission of Christ. We'll get on the mission in just a second. The gift of leadership. The gift of mercy. God gives the gift of words of wisdom and words of knowledge. I love that. I'll tell you what, has anybody ever been on the, on the receiving end of a word of knowledge? Where God told somebody something about you, something that only God would know? I mean, it's the most encouraging, empowering thing you'll ever, ever have experience. God gives some the gift of faith. That's one of the reasons we have to gather together, because some of you are going through dark and deep difficulties, and you need to borrow the faith of the giftedness of the person next to you to help be strength for you in your weakness. The gift of healing, the gift of miracle signs, discernment, discernment of spirits. Some people have the gift of discernment. They just can kind of see beyond the surface. Gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, the gift of helps. Uh, the church functions through people who have the gift of service. 
They want to be behind the scenes. They don't want to be noticed. They want to facilitate things and bless the church through helping out in any way they can, the gift of administration. And then God built the church on these kind of five offices, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, shepherd, and the teacher. So these are all spiritual gifts, and you have some of them. I can say that on biblical authority. You have some of them. And what happens when we operate in the gifts? A few things. Primarily, the Holy Spirit is active. To operate in these things requires the Holy Spirit. So you can't operate in these things without connection to Him. So if you surely want to find the Spirit, start stepping forward and developing the spiritual gifts. So the Spirit gets active. What else happens? The, the gift receiver is blessed and encouraged. Again, have you ever been on the, on the receiving end of, a spirit, of someone else's spiritual gift? Just raise your hand. You all should because you're doing it right now. You're on the other end of my spiritual gifts right now. But let me tell you something. So the, the receivers get something out of it, but you know who gets the most out of spiritual gifts? The giver. It is better to give than receive. I have had the privilege of ministering to and blessing a lot of people in the last nearly 20 years. Nobody has been more blessed through my ministry than me. And it's not because I'm sitting here saying, oh, Brent, you're such a good preacher. Preach that again. Preach that again. That's not, it's when the Spirit flows through you and you see him encounter people in real time. It doesn't matter whether your gift is, is, is tongues or exhortation or leadership. The beauty of it is that, oh, God used me. Wow. It is, it is, I'm telling you, it is the most life-giving thing in the world. And I'll, I'd say half the Sundays I come in, I don't feel like preaching. It's a labor but then once I get in it and the Spirit starts flowing through me, I always leave saying, thank you, Lord, that I get to do this. Thank you that I get to serve you. I need this. Let me just say that over you. Your, your life in step with the Spirit requires you to operate in your gifts. You will not flourish fully until you start serving the King and His kingdom through the way He uniquely designed you. We aren't attenders. We aren't just sitting here as a congregation listening to someone's word and then going on about our business. We are active engagements with the king in his kingdom being used by him to build one another and to reach the world. Three thoughts on, three thoughts, three thoughts on gifts. One, we need and are called to desire the gifts. Paul says it. He said it last week. We read, in the, we read it in 1 Corinthians. He said, desire the gifts. And most of all, the gift of prophecy and speaking in tongues. He says, desire the gifts as individuals and as a church. We need to pursue them individually and we need to pursue them corporately. That's why today in today's service, maybe some of you are just watching this on YouTube later, 20 minutes ago, we were gathered together and huddled up, laying hands on one another. Some people had the gift of faith and were praying for their brother and sister. Some people had the gift of intercession. Some people were, 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 were serving one another through encouragement. This, this is what we want to see in our church. We want to see the gifts released and activated corporately. We need to build. We need to build the operation of the gifts in our church and here's the, here's the third thing. We need, we need to value what, we need to not value what the world values when it comes to giftedness. See, the world would look at this and say, well, the most important gift is the guy talking on the stage. But Paul goes to great lengths. Read it. Read 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. He goes to great lengths to talk about there's, there's no one gift that deserves more honor than the other. In fact, he makes the argument that in a body, usually it's the stuff you can't see that's most important. How many of you know, like, I could lose my hair, which is slowly happening, and I'm going to go on just fine. And you can visibly see that part of my body. But if some internal organ goes wrong that you can't see, that's, that's detrimental to my health. And Paul goes on to say sometimes it's the hidden gifts that actually deserve the most honor and respect and the most kind of sanctity. But all the gifts matter. So you've been given a grace. Do you know that? You're gifted. Look at the person next to you and say, you're gifted. Oh, man, we don't, even have, we don't even believe it here at the Valley. West, look at somebody, Halifax, Charlottetown, tell them you're gifted. 
You've been graced. Every single believer, if you've put your faith in Christ, you've received the Holy Spirit, you have a gift and you are a gift to the body. So the gifts are designed to bring life to the church. I'm almost done. They bring us to life. And finally, they bring the world to life. When, when God's church operates in the power of the Spirit through our collective strength, that's how he's designed us to be on mission in this world. Here's, here's the final point of reception. If you really want to experience the Holy Spirit and keep in step with him, you want to go where he goes, you want to show up, oh, fancy meeting you here, Holy Spirit. If you want to do that, go to church. Use the gifts. Finally, go on mission. You will surely find the Holy Spirit in the mission he's on. You know, you know where you'll find him is out trying to reach people, seeking and saving the lost. What, what happened in Acts chapter 2? Let's look at it. Chapter 1, Jesus told him, don't go until you receive the gift of, gift of Father as promised, but this gift isn't an end to itself, is it? Look what he says after they ask him, are you going gonna to restore the whole kingdom? He said, no, that's not for you to know, but here's what's going to happen. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And why? Why am I going to give you the power and presence of the Holy Spirit? So that you feel great? And that's it? No. He says, and you will be my... Yeah, what's a witness? It's a, it's, it's, a living, it's a living testimony. It's an evangelist. It's someone who goes out and bears witness to the fact that Jesus is king. He died to ransom and redeem mankind. And he's inviting everybody to come experience his grace and goodness. That's what a witness is. You have been redeemed and blood-bought by Jesus. And the Holy Spirit has come and he wants to fill you and rest upon you not just so that you can flourish, but that you would be a light to this dark world calling others to come and receive the same gift that you've received. You will be my witnesses. So what the, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit is unto the ends of the earth, telling people about me where? Everywhere. Everywhere. In Jerusalem, so that was where they were. And then it's going to expand to Judea. It's going to get bigger. To Samaria, it's going to get even bigger. And then it's going to go to the ends of the earth. And I don't know if you've thought about this lately, but thank God that there were some Christians that took that seriously. Otherwise, y'all, we're at the ends of the earth. They didn't even know that where we are currently at, unless you're actually watching this like in the Middle East, but they didn't even know where we were currently at existed. But there were believers over the last 2,000 years that took that call very seriously and were willing to take the hope of the gospel in their obedience to Christ in step with the Spirit so that people may know his salvation. If you want to experience the Spirit, if you want to surely find the Holy Spirit, you'll find him on the mission field. And so some of you are like, so do I need to go to like some godless part of the world? Yes. You're in one. Let that be sober when that hits you. You know, there are places like, like, like in Africa where, where the West used to send missionaries there to bring the gospel. You know, they're sending missionaries here now to bring the gospel. The West is the most godless society, one of the most godless societies now on planet Earth. You're in a mission field. And you are not here just to be comfortable in Christ Jesus until he returns. You are here on mission. He wants to use you. And I'll tell you what, the Spirit's out there. If you want to just bump into the Holy Spirit, go and start caring about the people he cares about. Go start taking the gospel and fumbling through. I'll tell you, the, some of the most holy times have been times where I've seen, I've been, I've been privy to watch somebody try to share their faith. Like at Alpha is the most beautiful thing. One of the things, if you're, if you're a leader at an alpha table, you're supposed to just kind of let the conversation happen. And it, like, it always borders on heresy. <laughs> like, and as a pastor, you're just sitting there like, ah, you're trying to like, no, wait, wait, no, no, that's no, no. But you can't. You just let it happen and you trust the Holy Spirit 
through this evangelistic effort, is going to start pulling people to himself. Because he really is the one that does the heavy lifting. You know that, right? It's the Spirit of God. It's just us being willing and out there and available, facilitating and letting it happen. And it's just this beautiful thing. It's the most powerful thing to just be there as someone is encountering the Holy Spirit. Their, their eyes are coming open to the fact that there is a God, that Jesus is Lord, and that he loves them so much that he offered his life in exchange for theirs. Like it's, I'll tell you what, like, some of you don't want to hear that your pastor has doubtful days, but I do, just like you do. There are days where, I, where it's just like, I wonder where God is. But one of the first things that brings encouragement to me is I start to be reminded, I have seen way too many people encounter the living God in real time to not know that this is real. I've been there when people have come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and said, I need Jesus. You want to believe that encourages the witness. When you go out there and you share the truth of the gospel and someone says, I want that, I want him, it encourages you. It encourages you. I've seen too many miracles. I've seen too many families transformed. I've seen too many addictions broken. I've seen physical healing. I've seen relationship healing. I've seen the Holy Spirit. I've been up close on the bleeding edge, the front line of the things that he's doing. I'll tell you what, there is a God. And his name is Jesus and the Holy Spirit is living and active and moving on the earth. The question isn't where is God? The question is where are you? Like, like to get out there on the front line. And I'll tell you this, a church that is not reaching and not practicing evangelism is a Holy Spiritless church. Just our, just a club, it's a fellowship of believers. The church has been gifted the Holy Spirit so that we can go in power and declare the goodness of God and, be, and bear witnesses to the fact that he's a risen king and he's conquered death. This is why he gives us these supernatural gifts because he's a supernatural God. And if we're claiming that Jesus rose from the dead, we probably are going to need to demonstrate the occasional bit of authority, aren't we? So we find in Acts, like look at the early church. Acts 4, this is after uh, they experienced their first bit of persecution, the first bit of resistance. Peter, Peter prayed, now Lord, consider these threats and enable your servants to speak your word boldly. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs. Signs of how cool the Christians are? No, signs that Jesus is Lord. Miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, it says the place where they were meeting, there, there's that, go to church. The place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what? Say this word, say this thing. Spoke the word of God. Yeah, it, it enabled them to get out there. If you want to experience the Holy Spirit, I dare you at work this week to start even just praying for the person in the cubicle next to you, Holy Spirit, get them. Like, you know, that you got that, you got that, you got that like divider. He doesn't even know you're right there. You're laying hands on the Father. Like, just get him, Holy Spirit, and use me. I'm here. You wait, you wait and see. He will use you. That's a dangerous but exciting prayer. All of a sudden, he's just going to crack a little door open. He's going to put you right there. And you're going to fumble your way and you're going to border on the edge of heresy too. And the Holy Spirit's going to just blast through you and someone's going to come to know Jesus. It's the most powerful, it's the most, it's the most incredible thing in the world to be used by God. And Paul speaks to this as well. I, I don't have time to get too deep into it. But he talks about how like, if you read 1 Corinthians, he says, I didn't come to you with lofty arguments. And I didn't come to you with words of wisdom. I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. The Spirit used me to bear witness to the fact that Jesus is Lord. We, that's why we want to be empowered by the Spirit. It's not so we can come here and, you know, impress one another. Again, back to wizardry. That's, that's just wizard stuff. We are on mission. We want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that we can convince and win some to Jesus. The Spirit isn't just found in here. He's found out there. We aren't, the church is not just the gathered. We are the sent. We have been sent. There is a go in gospel. Amen? It's like, if... The same way, you know, if you're practicing your Christianity, back to my first point of gathering, if you're, if you're just like me, myself, and Jesus, 
It's not Christianity. Okay, like I've heard, way, I've heard so many people say, I like, I like the Jesus thing. I just don't like the whole church thing. Too bad. I've seen a lot of people just go and do Jesus and fall off the rails. You need the community. Well, the same way, though, if, if you aren't on mission and you aren't going in the, in the commission of the gospel, if you're not going in the obedience to Jesus to see someone come to know him, you're missing out on what it means to be a Christian entirely. You are the evangelists. I don't know if you've noticed this shift in our church, but over the last maybe five years, there's been a big shift. Um, most, most substantially in the last couple of years. But you go back maybe five, six, seven years, like I, I think CR has been a big part of this. Like CR is really, you want, you want to see the Holy Spirit at work show up to CR. I mean, it's messy, but the Spirit's right in the mix. It's just a beautiful thing. You want to see the Spirit at work? This is why we're tripling down on Alpha. Because we, we want to see people come to know Jesus. And we know if we're doing these evangelistic things, the Spirit's at work in our church. We want to be a Spirit-filled church. Amen? Amen? And so this is why we have these. But I don't know if you've noticed, my preaching and our Sunday services, like the odds of uh, you bringing your friend to church so that they can hear the gospel and, and, you know, come to know Jesus on a Sunday aren't as high as they used to be. I'm actually believing that God is calling my job as a pastor to empower and equip you to go out there and be evangelists. You're the ones that are supposed to be leading people to Jesus. I am too in my own walk, in my own life. My job as a preacher is to empower and mobilize and train you and send you out to bear witness to the fact that Jesus reigns. And some of you are like, me? Yes, you it's the most incredible thing to be used by him. Here, here let, me, let, me, let me wrap up with this. The most surefire way to experience the life and relationship with the Holy Spirit is through caring about the people he cares about. So that would mean the church, but especially those who don't know him yet. Just to get out there and be on mission. And it, it absolutely brings flourish, like flourishing. You want the best discipleship tool you'll ever find? Try to share your faith with someone. That I, I, would, I would tell you 10 times out of 10, the thing that's going to grow you in Christ more than anything is just getting out there and fumbling your way through telling someone else about what he's done for you. It will absolutely start to change your life. So what happens when we step out on mission? Let me wrap with this. The gifts get activated. People get saved. We get a front row seat to it. You find fulfillment, same way I was just talking about. Like no one gets blessed more than the giver. And the church grows in depth and breadth. So a church that is weak in evangelism is weak on the Holy Spirit. God designed the church to reach lots of people of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, every generation. Look around the rooms you're sitting in right now. You've got young and less young people. You've got black people, white people, rich people, not as rich people. You have Every type of person, you have people who grew up in Christian homes, people who grew up in agnostic and atheistic homes, everybody has been brought together, this, this, this temple of living stones that has been put on mission to reach people. We want to be the, the people of God on the mission of God. So if you want to surely be in step with the Spirit, let me just give a quick recap. Here it is. Gather, give, go. And you, you, will, you will be walking in step with the Spirit, gather, you find them in the church. Give, operate in the gifts he's given you to serve others. Go on mission. That is the secret to surely finding the Holy Spirit there. It is the most incredible thing to know and experience the living God. Let me, I'm gonna invite the keys to come back and to pray for us, but I, want, I just wanna say this. If you are bored with your faith, you're doing it wrong. If you find following Jesus boring, I suggest there is some gathering, giving, and going still left on the table for you to experience. If you are bored with your faith, you're doing it wrong. And if you are bored with your faith, so is God. 
It's like, yeah, that, that, is, that is boring. Come on out here on the mission field. Start serving people. Start being sent. It's not boring. It's absolutely life-giving, the most meaningful purpose you'll ever find in your whole life. Search for him where you know he will be found and you will surely find him. Stand with me. I'm going to give you a couple of next steps. I'm going to pray for us. We uh, put together on the website, if you go to kingschurch.cc, uh, you should be able to find an in-step logo, an in-step banner. Uh, or if you're at one of our physical locations today, you've got one of these cards. We did this old school. You can fill this out, and we've got some next steps to help you get more involved in the gathering and in the giving and in the going. Uh, you can fill it all out. You can take some time to do that. If you're in the physical location, just give this to a pastor or drop it in a bucket. Leave it somewhere. We'll find it. Just, just fill it out. But get involved intentionally right now. This is the time. If you want to live in step with the Spirit, there's no time like the present. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you today for your word. Lord, thank you for saving us. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for calling us to yourself and calling us to each other. Father, I pray today that you would help us just be passionate about the gathering, that, that what can happen when we come together can only happen when we come together. And Father, I pray right now over our church, Lord, I just speak, I just speak uniqueness of identity over you, King's Church. Lord, I pray you'd awaken and release and activate the gifts of the Holy Spirit like never before in our church. Lord, that, there, that we would, it would just be normal in King's Church for people to operate in their unique giftedness. And that we wouldn't elevate one over the other, but we would be so excited to be operating in the way you've designed us and appointed us to operate. And Father, would you, as you strengthen us, would you send us Lord, it says at the end of Acts 2, and they added to their number daily. Father, I pray for a season and a moment, even soon, here at the Valley, at West, at Charlottetown, at Halifax, at St. Stephen, and even beyond, we ask that we would come into a moment where we add to our number daily those who are being saved. Just agree with me with that. Father, we ask as you strengthen and build your church, use us to reach people you're trying to reach. And we pray we would come into a season where it's, it's actually the exception if a day goes by where someone didn't come to know you. We ask that we would see a season where we add to our number daily those who are being saved. Do you agree with me? Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Would you use these initiatives even this fall? Lord, would you put your hand on Alpha this fall? Lord, would you reach people that are searching for answers? Reach people that need redemption. Lord, would you, would you just put your hand on these initiatives? Continue to grace CR. Continue to grace King's Church with your presence. Let us be people who walk in step with your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And all the redeemed said, amen, amen, and amen.